Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian podcast. I'm Fiona Sutherland, body inclusive non diet dietitian and yoga teacher from Melbourne, Australia, and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I have important conversations with dietitians and health professionals from all over the world about getting brave and leaning into tough conversations as we cultivate a strong community of practitioners committed to body inclusive practice. We'll talk about mindfulness, we'll dig into diet culture, and we'll explore ways of bringing courageous and important topics into our professional spaces so we can more deeply understand our own experience and make our work more meaningful. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this next episode of the Mindful Dietitian podcast. Today's guest is Alyssa Rumsey, who has just written and released a wonderful new book called Unapologetic Eating, which I've had the great pleasure of reading already. It is really fantastic, and I highly recommend it uh, to both professionals and also anybody in the community who is looking to step away from diet culture and eat and live unapologetically. So this is really the theme for today's episode with Alyssa. But before we get into that conversation, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update about what's happening at The Mindful Dietitian. In other words, what am I doing this year? All right, so 2021, oof, let's hope that we have turned a corner from 2020. So far, we've got, we're off to a little bit of a slow start uh, when it comes to turning that corner, but fingers crossed, legs crossed, and everything else crossed that things are going to turn around sometime soon. I am thrilled to be collaborating with a couple of amazing people and organizations this year for some training for dietitians, specifically for dietitians, but you know, in general general anybody's welcome we are not snooty Uh, and so the first one is doing our second round of the four part live online trauma-informed dietetic care series so this is all going to be online and recorded and I'm co-facilitating that with the incredible Tracy Brown who is a somatic experiencing specialist and registered dietitian and she just brings everything with her heart and her soul somebody who I've got so much respect for So that is starting early March uh, and you can find more details about that on the Mindful Dietitian website, which is www.themindfuldietitian.com.au. Now, another little project, not little, my projects always start off little and then you end up agreeing to write a book. So let's just not refer to projects as little. The other project I am involved in, uh, and this one is in collaboration with EDRD Pro. Now, if you don't know eating disorder registered dietitians and professionals, this is the dear little baby of Sumner Brooks, who is uh, my colleague and also a, a good friend of mine as well. We have collaborated together on the ACT for Dietitians in the past, and I've had the great pleasure and privilege of being a guest presenter for EDRD Pro. So this uh, mid-year, so I'm not going to say summer because it's actually winter where I am. So this mid-year, we're going to be releasing a new course um, called Binge Eating Disorder uh, Treatment for uh, for Dietitians. 
So this is a course that I'm going to be co-facilitating with Aaron Flores, who you will definitely recognize as one of the voices behind Dietitians Unplugged, and he's very well known as a specialist and, and uh, expert on binge eating disorder. And he's going to bring with him his wealth of experience to that particular topic. We have got... Um, also, we're bringing some amazing guest speakers with us who are specialists in uh, areas that we feel like are really important to elevate. And so um, these non-dietitians are going to be bringing their specialist areas into the course, and we hope that people um, uh, really enjoy their expertise, both lived experience and learned experience as well. So that is exciting. All right, um, without taking too much of a deep breath, uh, I think that's probably about all for this particular episode, which I can tell you about what's happening at the Mindful Dietitian. Oh, that was, can't believe I even forgot this. So every day at the moment, I am doing a daily Instagram TV. I thought it was a live. It's not. It's a TV. Um, stepping through the vitamins A to Z from my book, uh, which is Vitamin A to Z, your BS free guide to well-being. So every day I'm going, I'm doing these little two to three minute videos on Instagram TV. So if you if you'd like to get a little sneaky peek about what the book is actually about, then um, and no, it's not nutrition just let's just make that clear uh, it is about everything else probably but nutrition and everything you need to nourish yourself if you're going to step away from the bullshittery of diet culture and into the magnificence that is the life that awaits you it's really not I mean a life can be full and meaningful without being magnificent right so let's let's just um unglitter that particular comment right there all right introducing you to Alyssa Rumsey. So in this particular conversation, Alyssa did a beautiful job of stepping us through the main sections of her book, Fixing, Allowing, Feeling and Growing, which I really appreciated. I thought breaking things up into sections really makes sense and certainly kind of takes us from what we have been led to believe is wrong with us to how we can step into a space where we can really engage with that sense of I was never broken in the first place there was never anything wrong with me regardless of what I was told and what I was led to believe so this is what I really appreciate is woven throughout this book I'll tell you a little bit about Alyssa she is a registered dietitian nutrition therapist certified eating intuitive intuitive eating counselor and author of unapologetic eating make peace with food and transform your life Alyssa is passionate about advocating for people to reclaim the space to eat and live unapologetically she has a weight inclusive nutrition practice that offers virtual counseling and online programs to help people liberate themselves from dieting and cultivate a peaceful relationship to food and their bodies live a more authentic connected life you can already see why Alyssa and i get along so well Alyssa calls new york city home lucky duck and spends her free time exploring the city's food scene and searching for patches of green space to sunbathe in. Hmm, that sounds absolutely divine. So thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining me for this episode. It was just wonderful to speak with you. And to everybody listening, I hope you enjoy it and get a little bit of dose of unapologetic eating. Welcome, Alyssa, to the Mindful Dietitian podcast. It is awesome to be speaking with you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here after many years of listening to this. Excited to, to be here with you today. Yes. So you and I have connected really through uh, our 
our amazing in-person opportunities to connect in the US. And we've got to know each other probably a lot better during this very unusual year. And this is also the year that you, actually both of us, have written books. Yes, yes. <laughs> Amazingly. So we're not co-authors, we're co-writers. And so we can share the pain and the joy of this journey. <laughs> yes. For sure. I feel like the book writing journey is always, always a journey, but certainly this year there's kind of the added, added piece with, with pandemic and stay at home and all of that stuff on top of it. Absolutely. It's, it's almost like the world's best time to write or the world's worst time to write. It's, it's kind of one or the other. I'm not sure how else to describe it. I know. At first I thought like, okay, this is actually going to be helpful. Everything stopped. There's no like fear of missing out on different things for me. And then, yeah, quickly realizing like, oh, wait, my anxiety levels are way higher than normal. And that makes it really difficult to, you know, try to like put out some really good work. So yeah, or to, to make your thoughts cohesive on the paper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it all came together for both of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be diving into your book, which is called Unapologetic Eating, and it is released in February 2021. So for those of you who are listening to this after February, then um, it is going to be available now. But as as time would have it, we are recording this prior to it being released. So we're in the kind of excitement phase of the impending, um, of the, the this impending amazing book. So I have actually read the book and can thoroughly recommend it both to professionals and to general community members. It's super accessible and steps through four really interesting processes, which we're going to be getting into um, as part of this conversation. So to get us started, Alyssa, do you mind Mind telling us a little bit about yourself and a bit about what led up to this point in your life and career. Sure, sure. So, well, um, I've been a dietitian at this point for, oh my goodness, 12 years, I think. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second, 12 years. Um, and my journey to becoming a dietitian actually started from a disordered place. Um, I never had a, a diagnosable eating disorder or clinical eating disorder, but, um, you know, after having a relatively easy relationship with food through most of childhood in high school, in puberty, when it happens to a lot of women, um, changing body, even though it was totally normal, the changes that we're experiencing, I didn't know that at the time and really pushed me into the dieting cycle and then, um, turned into some disordered eating and then. I was like, oh, wait, dietitian, I can do this for a career. <laughs> um, and then needless to say, you know, as, as you know, um, a lot of the, the curriculum, especially here in the U.S., uh, kind of fuels some of that, this, that disorder. Um, so I, you know, came into the field from that perspective. Um, and then when I finished my internship in my early 20s, I actually took a job inpatient in a clinical, big clinical hospital in New York City. And it was... I think actually very lucky because that's actually when my relationship to food started to shift. Um, so I was working in the intensive care unit. So I really was doing nothing with kind of the sort of quote unquote typical like weight management sort of thing that you see. Um, and at the same time, I was, I moved to New York city. I'm from a very small town and I got you know, really into the food scene and I fell into a group of friends, most of whom were dietitians at the hospital as well, who all just had a pretty 
easy, you know, fairly good relationship with food. And so it's sort of throughout my 20s, um, my relationship to food kind of naturally sort of started to improve my relationship to my body. Um, and then, and so I always kind of had this like mindful eating sort of bend. Um, like I was always like, no, 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 diets don't work. Uh, but yet at the same time, you know, talking to people about portion control and, you know, eating certain things and not eating other things and quote, like watching what you eat. And then, um, my gosh, it was only about maybe like four or five years ago now that I stumbled upon Evelyn Triboli's uh, six-week intuitive eating uh, pro skills webinar series. And at the time, I had been in business for myself for probably about a year or two and uh, spent the first couple of years of business just really trying to figure out the business stuff because that was such a big learning curve. And then I was like, okay, this is feeling good. Let me dive more into some counseling work. So I was starting to do more one-on-one counseling. And uh, I was like, oh, intuitive eating. I think that's like mindful eating. And I had no idea, like I'd never read the book and I signed up for this course. And needless to say, uh, in that first session, my world was just like totally rocked. Like brain was just like, oh my goodness, you know, cause she was talking, Evelyn was talking about obviously intuitive eating, but also weight science and a lot of the health at every size related research. And while it was so opposite of, you know, everything I'd been taught in school up until that point, um, it also made so much sense because I started looking back at my own relationship to food and I was like, oh yeah, this is really what went that started healing. Um, and then, uh, so I got into intuitive eating and then started learning about haze and then social justice stuff. Um, and that's really been the last like four-ish years or so. And you have been a huge part of that with a lot of the workshops I've been to with you and the supervision we've done together. And yeah, it's just been a, a big evolution, both personally and professionally the last four to five years. It's so interesting, the parallel process that a lot of dietitians do experience themselves. It's really fascinating and rewarding how much we are able to heal our own relationships with food and eating and our own bodies as we are working alongside others, you know, perhaps in different spaces, sometimes completely different spaces, but that that dynamic and the process of being with somebody else requires us to have done our own work too, which is actually a, a, a huge investment, you know, of, of time and energy and resources. And yeah, it's, it's, well, I would argue that it's super worth it, but um, not, not something that everybody has an opportunity to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know, I certainly see, at least here in the U.S., um, a lot of dietitians, and this was certainly true for myself, like my identity was so wrapped up in like being the healthy person and being, you know, I also have a major in exercise science. And so like being fit and, you know, all of these things. And then again, just like we've all grown up in the same culture and are educated right. in this, this culture. Um, so, so yeah, but there's no way I'd be able to you know, do the work I'm doing with clients if I hadn't done my own work and continue to do my my own work as well. Yeah, I'll often say, you know, that we have a nervous system. Our clients have a nervous system. It's a human thing. It's not a a traumatized person thing or that there's something 
wrong or right with us, but that when we understand the ways in which we show up in the world, we can understand the experiences of other people so much better. So when we want to be serving and working alongside people more effectively, understanding ourselves is pretty critical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, supervision, I always like seeing the praises of supervision, because it's something that, you know, yes, within the eating disorder community, but outside of that, most dietitians out after our dietetic internship, you know, really, it's not not a thing in our profession versus like therapists, you know, as far as I know, here in the US, like have to do kind of continual sort of supervision. So yeah, once I learned about supervision, and just started to do that, that shifted so much. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost like growth and learning are promoted within dietetics, but only within a certain frame so that, you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of dietitians would say, I love learning. I love growing. And I was going to say, but, and and maybe but is the correct word here, really, that when I hit an edge or when I hit an uncomfortable part of myself, that that's where my willingness to continue growing really comes to a halt. Um, And like you and I often talk about, you know, it really does a disservice not only to ourselves but to the communities that we are providing a service to. Um, You know, so, I mean, I'm really, really hoping that in the coming years the ways in which we identify sources of growth will be more located within us than they will be external to us. So we'll be, you know, I I mean, as much as the next person, I love courses and books and podcasts and I love opportunities for that kind of external-oriented growth to be brought internally. But what, yeah, my my vision or my hope, my wish for the future of our profession is that 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 can become more dynamic so that the, so that the external sources of learning can be brought internally and then we can then serve others through that kind of more dynamic lens. Anyway, that's my wish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that just dovetails so much to kind of what's been going on in the world and, you know, what we've been seeing this year and certainly what we've been seeing in some of the dietitian community. Um, And yeah, I think we're all for like, okay, like the research and the evidence-based stuff, but then yeah, when it comes to our own personal, and I think, you know, part of that is so much of our profession is wrapped up in like being the quote unquote expert and being this like authority figure. And yeah, when you're put on this pedestal, it's like, okay, I don't want to admit any like weakness or, you know, I have to be this like perfect dietitian and like have all my stuff together. Um, When in reality, I'll say one of probably every single one of my interns says to me, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see that like, you don't know everything and like, you don't know what you're doing all the time. And, you know, I try to be so open with them because I think we can, from the outside, this is what it looks like of like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to like be put together. And in reality, none of us, we're all learning and growing. Um, so yeah, I love what you just kind of how you frame that with the internal and external. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, we, we've got a way to go, but I feel a sense of hope, you know, particularly based on 2020, you know, that in and of itself has become a a topic and a subject hasn't it you know whenever we whenever we mention 2020 now everybody will just give this like slow knowing nod like yes I see you I see you yeah oh my gosh totally totally (laughs) 
So I would love to shift gears if it feels okay to be really diving into your book, which has the title Unapologetic Eating. So I hope it feels okay maybe to start there with the title. So what is it about that title that feels important to you? Like, because those words really mean so much and I'm imagining are woven, well, not imagining, I've read it. It is. It's woven all throughout the book. Mm-hmm. So um, why that title, do you think? Well, so when I first started writing, I had no idea what the title of my book was going to be. You know, I had uh, pitched this idea sort of like kind of on a whim to this publisher. And they're like, that sounds great. You know, and really let me run with it. And um, so I didn't really know what it was going to be. And at the same time, I had started using this phrase like unapologetic eating and living. I think honestly, the first place I put that was my Instagram bio in like one of my many, like, let me try to get my Instagram bio more, you know, aligned with what it is I do. Um, so probably like sometime in 2019, but it never occurred to me of like using that for a title. And then as I was putting the other table of contents and really starting to share with my publisher some more information, they came back and they're like, how about this title? And I was like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, this makes so much sense because, you know, as I started writing, I'm not sure if you experienced this, but for me, the writing process, while I wrote out a table of contents, when I started writing, like just these themes started emerging that I wasn't, you know, really planning on. And one of those, like, I mean, really the main theme is this idea of not only like questioning where all these different thoughts and beliefs come from, um, but also, you know, when it comes to food, when it comes to your body, your body size, when it comes to setting boundaries, when it comes to making like life decisions, work decisions, this idea of being able to do so from your own, your own decision, your own intuition, and not feeling like you need to justify that or explain it or apologize. Um, So, you know, that's really what I think the unapologetic eating to me means from a food perspective. Yes. Like eating what you want, when you want, how you want without feeling guilty or ashamed. Um, but also, you know, being in the moment and not second guessing and not worrying about what others are thinking and really just getting back to, you know, yourself and who you are and who you were before, you know, culture and society put stuff on you. Um, the other thing that's interesting about that title, so I just said, right, my publisher was the one that like, oh, how about this? I then probably just a couple months ago, so like title has been decided, you know, eight, nine months ago, a couple months ago, I'm going through some notes from a retreat that I attended last fall. And one of the exercises we did during this retreat is called the Ikigai exercise, which is a Japanese word. Um, and it's kind of like a brainstorming activity is the best way I can explain it. Um, And I'm going through my notes and I had literally written down an idea for a podcast and a book called Unapologetic Eating. No. Yes. Oh, I just got chills. Oh my gosh. I I just did too. As I was telling you that again, I mean, I, but I didn't remember that I wrote that down. Like that was in Portugal, like in September, 2019, I had put that journal away after that week and like hadn't opened it since. And then like a couple months ago, I was, I mean, talk about, I'm, my boyfriend always jokes, like, I feel like you're getting a little more woo-woo. <laughs> I totally, totally have been getting more into the woo-woo. But yeah, just this idea of, um, you know, when you start to like think about something, yes. even though it's in like the subconscious. So 
so yeah, that was there a year and a half ago. <laughs> that is so interesting, isn't it? How that was there from, and probably even prior to that retreat, there was something bubbling away there that then had a couple of words attached to it, which, I mean, we know that book titles typically are very succinct, mm-hmm. just, yeah. a, you know, a small handful of words. And that... I, I think in the woo-woo world, they call it manifesting or something. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. It. Yes, that's it. <laughs> so you manifested these words onto the cover of your book. Amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it. I think it's, I think the title really speaks so much to the ways in which people of, you know, all genders, all ages, all cultural backgrounds, all racial backgrounds are become entangled, you know, in webs of the web that diet culture creates to, to trap us into thinking um, in particular ways about food and eating and about our bodies and, and the deep impacts that that has on our quality of life is um, it causes great distress. Yeah. Yeah. And in so many areas. And I mean, you know, in terms of my evolution within this world in the last couple of years, like when I first took that course with Evelyn, I remember, you know, taking a couple months and really like learning as much as I could. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start working with clients, you know, with intuitive eating. And so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to work with their relationship to food. And it was so eye-opening because probably almost immediately I realized like how, Yes, it's the relationship to food, but it's so much more than that. And with many of my clients, you know, the work that we do, yes, it's being able to, you know, eat the burger and not feel guilty or not second guess, but then it just goes so much farther beyond that. And, you know, as you improve your relationship to food and your body and trust yourself more and get more connected with yourself, that bubbles into so many different areas of our life. Um, You know, I have a quote in the book from a woman who talks about, you know, okay, this started with intuitive eating and movement. And then it was kind of working on some body stuff. And now two years later, I'm questioning, like, do I even want a partner? Do I want kids? Mm. Like all these things that she's like, all these things, all the shoulds that kind of society had put on her. Um, She was like, okay, like really questioning, like, are these coming from me or is this coming from external? So yeah, that was really to my aim with the book was to kind of walk people through, yes, it's the relationship to food, but it opens up like so much opportunity for, for self-discovery in other ways as well. Oh, I absolutely love that. How, what you've, what you've really done so beautifully in the book, and we'll step through each of the four sections in just a moment, but what you really step through is how food and the way that we relate to our bodies really has become a proxy for broader, um, not broader issues, but broader life experiences, I guess, and how, you know, limiting our food can really limit our quality of life in so many ways. And to become more expansive and accepting is not just about increasing our food variety, for example. It's about opening, um, opening up to our human potential and to what is possible for us, you know, however, however wide or broad or deep we decide to expand that 
so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's making me think of the conversation you and I had probably about this time last year, um, where I remember I came to you and I was like, it's funny. I just found it in my journal the other day. I'd woken up at, I don't know, like two or three in the morning and didn't turn my light off on and just like wrote like these. So it's all scribbled. And I remember having a supervision call with you. It was right around this time. I was just like, Fiona, I don't want to just do intuitive eating. Like it's more than that, but I can't really figure out what's underneath it. (laughs) Just like really struggling with, you know, I could see it in my one-on-one sessions, but then like, and I hadn't started writing the book at that point. This is before that. Um, And yeah, I feel like that's been so much of this last year and certainly writing the book has helped me explore that too. But yeah, just it's so, it is intuitive eating, but it's also so much more than that. Yeah. And I love that. So um, for people that haven't read, for example, Anti-Diet, I think that is another book which takes, it it really contextualizes the way in which um, food, eating, bodies, weight, um, culture, age, and everything has become part of this big, big melting pot that we name as who we are and how we identify ourselves and position ourselves in the world. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, well, these, these are day long conversations, which unfortunately we, we don't really have capacity for right now, but what I would really love to do is to introduce people to the four sections that you have broken up in the book, because I think they're absolutely brilliant. So the first section you have named as fixing, second section is allowing the third section is feeling and the fourth section is growing what i really love about the way that you step through this is that you set it up so beautifully and then you step through each of the sections with some really practical reflections some personal reflections from your work with clients and clients words um which i think is really resonant i think that will really resonate with people and offer them like an anchor point to come back to oh i'm not alone you know, other people, mm-hmm. other people have experienced this as well. So let's start with section one, fixing. So can you give us a bit of a, a synopsis of, of fixing? Sure. So with fixing, um, that really is the section where we explore more in the book about um, really about, you know, like the history of diet culture and why we diet. Uh, the first chapter of the book is called, it's not about the food and it's exploring, <laughs> it. <laughs> exploring all the different reasons why people diet. Um, there's also in this section is also, you know, more of the weight science and the research around kind of your brain on diets and what happens when we do restrict um, in the name of diets or quote lifestyle choices or just anything external. Um, putting that on ourselves or having that put on us. Um, And then yes, going more into why weight and health are not as linked as we've been taught. Um, And then really, you know, you mentioned this, but really what I wanted to do with this book was have it be educational, but also really practical. And so woven throughout in every chapter um, are a lot of reflection prompts and just, you know, okay, we talked about these things now reflect, like how might this be showing up for you? 
And in this first section, fixing, there's actually an entire chapter around exploring your own history with food in your body. So going into just the myriad of factors that can impact our relationship with food and our relationship with our body and a lot of kind of reflection prompts there. Um, so yeah, really the aim with this first section is to get this kind of like foundation of how all of these different systems of oppression um, in our culture and society and media messages and all of these different things, family narratives have affected, you know, your relationship right now with food in your body. Yes, that is a wonderful way that you can then lead into, well, what's next? So you kind of set up the narrative of what has really been done to us and what we have been exposed to. So then we step into the second section, which is called allowing. So tell us a little bit about this section. Yeah. Um, so with allowing, this is really where, okay, we're realizing what the, you know, constant kind of attempts to fix ourselves, whether that's our food, our body, all the other sorts of things about ourselves, all these attempts to fix ourselves are not working, are maybe having harmful effects. Um, and also this recognition, like you just said, of like, okay, this isn't something that's wrong with me. This is something that's wrong with our culture and our society. And so allowing is really, is really that, is really allowing yourself to kind of like settle in and sit with this discomfort of not fixing anymore and starting to move away from, from dieting or from these external type restrictions um, and really sit with the, the thoughts, the feelings that this can bring up. Um, and so in this section, this is where I actually have an entire chapter, uh, which I believe some of your quotes are in around cultivating awareness and mindfulness, because, you know, that's something when I start to work with clients, I just had a new client today and she's like, okay, like, what do I do next? Like, what do I do before our next appointment? And I was like, just be aware, <laughs> be aware, notice, because if, if we aren't aware of what's going on and what the belief or what the thoughts are, the feelings, the beliefs behind those things are, then nothing can ever shift. Um, and so there's an entire chapter on cultivating awareness and mindfulness and lots of different practices um, and not mindful eating in particular. Um, I actually think this is something now that I'm thinking about this learned from you years ago, like, you know, people often jump really fast into mindful eating without like more of a mindfulness practice. Um, so that kicks off the allowing of just that, that being with, I think is the quote from you I used of rather than trying to like fix or change, just like be with what's coming up. Um, and then this in this section two is I introduce intuitive eating, um, and really, you know, you know, the intuitive eating book, I think is such an amazing resource and I recommend it all the time. Um, you know, but what I tried to do in this section was introduce these concepts, but in, you know, just a way that's felt helpful to my clients and kind of talk about some of the different ways that, you know, like I spend a lot of time talking about like eating enough and like, you can't, you know, until you're eating enough and then what is enough and what if there's not enough and different things like that. And really spending, you know, then a whole chapter on this idea of moving from scarcity to abundance and how to kind of shift that mindset um, in a variety of ways. So it's, you know, introducing intuitive eating framework and just kind of these foundational elements to be in place before we kind of like move forward with some more of the work. 
Yeah, it's so interesting that you're talking about awareness and and noticing, observing, mindfulness, and so forth. And one of the one of the um, one of the things I feel, hmm, I don't know, maybe feel a little frustrated noticing is how quickly, especially in healthcare, we jump into the fixing and doing doing too which you speak about so beautifully in this particular chapter um, and how to cultivate that awareness and I think where people get themselves a little bit mixed up is that it's like oh I'm aware if I'm meditating or something or doing some kind of a formal practice and yeah yeah there is now we have a lot of evidence that um, you know, formal meditation can actually change our neural pathways, which is some kind of magic. I mean, seriously, that is some kind of magic biology that we've got yeah. going on in our craniums. But more than that, you know, cultivating an awareness of our experience allows us also to go back to the fixing chapter to notice when we're being drawn back into those patterns so that so that the, the way you've set this up and then stepping into a, into allowing really invites that beautiful building process where we can then be uh, noticing the inevitability of being drawn back because that yeah. happens to all of us, all of us. You know, we, we are cre- we're not only creatures of habit, but we also have these very strong pathways which kind of demand us to do things in particular, more comfortable and familiar ways, which, you know, we're aware they're not working for us, but those, those grooves are pretty well worn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And that, you know, when you were saying just that our, you know, everything jumps to like the fixing, um, you know, and I see this certainly with clients, but I also see this with dietitians. I mean, that's how, that's how I was trained of like, okay, diagnose what's the problem and then how are you going to fix it? And then how are you going to assess if that, that fixing is working? Um, and in reality, when, you know, I explain this to potential clients sometimes as like, okay, Yes, like that um, feeling of wanting to fix is so normal, um, but that really usually ends us to kind of just putting this Band-Aid over top and not, especially when it comes to food stuff, right? Because it's like, okay, just like make these diet changes or do this thing, but we never get further down and into like the root. Um, And yeah, that's, I think really what the allowing is like, okay, let's like try to start going deeper. And yeah, you know, the book, the book too, while certainly you can read it cover to cover, um, you know, I think I say in the introduction of sit with this and like read the first section, do the different prompts, like practice it, come back to it. Um, Because especially, you know, depending on where you're starting, I think there's lots of resources, but yeah, if you are really, if for someone, this is kind of their first really foray into it or their early days with it. Um, yeah, this is not, it's not an easy process. Taking your time. Yeah, exactly. Which brings us to feeling the third section. So, um, yeah, step us through this one. Yeah. So the uh, concept with feeling is okay. When you stop trying to kind of fix yourself and begin to allow yourself to just be and allow your body to just be, um, and when you start to, um, 
feel more into the body for connecting with hunger signals or fullness signals or what certain foods make you feel like or what foods are satisfying. Um, when you start to open up and allow yourself to feel that, lots of other thoughts and feelings can mm -hmm. and, and probably will will bubble to the surface. And for a lot of people, these are thoughts and feelings that they've spent years, if not decades, like trying to suppress and trying to cover up and numb. Um, so this is why, you know, this can be a really scary process for people because it brings up so much, so much stuff that they often don't realize is underneath. Um, so the, the third section on feeling is really about going through the process of sitting with the feeling, sitting with the discomfort that inevitably arises during this process and during this journey. Um, and you know, also talking about self-care and coming up with, you know, self-care plan and coping skills, uh, different coping tools, support systems, um, because yeah, it does bring up a lot of stuff and we need to have those systems in place in order to really work through it. Um, this section, there's also a chapter on self-compassion, um, which, you know, really that practice of just being kind to yourself, you know, noticing kind of, I talk about how that inner critic voice develops and sort of noticing that and starting to respond with self-compassion. Um, and this section also includes chapter on honoring and respecting your body. So starting to, you know, use that self-compassion in kind of connecting to your body, listening to it, being kind to it, expressing appreciation to it. Um, and then I also introduce, I have a chapter on, um, called redefining your relationship with your body. And so really walking, you know, some of this is done in the first section, but really walking more through like the development of body image and all of the different factors that go into this. And, um, you know, really talking more in this section about kind of the roots of the body positivity and fat liberation movement. Um, and then introducing, you know, different terms that some resonate with some people like this idea of body love or body appreciation or body acceptance or, you know, body liberation, um, you know, certain ones can resonate more so than others. So kind of introducing these different things and having some prompts to allow people to really define for themselves, like, okay, what do I, what do I want my relationship with my body to, to look like, to feel like, to be like, um, and really that sets us up kind of for that last section on growing. So why don't we slide right on into that last one? Sure. sure. Ah, so this growing chapter. So this is funny. So when I was writing my table of contents out, this was the one that had, you know, okay, no, I want to do this section. I know a couple of things I want in here. All the other sections were like super fleshed out with ideas. And I was like, I'm going to have to come, like, this is going to take me some more time because I wasn't entirely sure. Um, and honestly, like this was the section that was most fun for me to write. Um, and I think while I do get to parts of this with a lot of my clients, um, you know, this is more like the longer term game. And, um, you know, so there is more of my story in here because I feel like this growing and self-discovery piece has been this journey that I've been on the last handful of years. Um, so, you know, at this point, we've explored kind of the roots of our beliefs, you know, starting to unlearn these different things and like redefine things uh, in terms of food in our body. Um, and so then this last section is really, you know, I'm sure you hear this too, but clients will say like, okay, 
I have so much more brain space now and so much more time now that I'm not thinking about food so much. What do I do? Like, I have to find new hobbies. I have to do these different things. Um, so when you've spent like so much time thinking about this or so much time, you know, thinking about what others are thinking. And, you know, for myself, this was, I had this like light bulb moment a couple of years ago where I realized that, and it was all subconscious. I didn't realize this, that um, everything I said or did was like put through this filter of mm. what is this other person going to think or these groups of people, you know, and I didn't even know I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the time of kind of like, okay, if we get rid of that filter or get rid of, you know, what other people are thinking, really allowing for some more self-exploration and self-discovery. Um, you know, so there's certainly there's section in here on values. Um, one of my friends who that retreat I mentioned last September, um, my friend Hannah, I have some, you know, things that these tools she created, these discovery, self-discovery kind of questions. And just yeah, to start, you know, getting back more to yourself and like who are you? underneath these things that have been put on you by, by society. Um, and then there's also a chapter on becoming embodied. So this is, I think I, I mentioned the woo woo here a little bit of, you know, when I first heard this term of like, you know, quote, like being in your body, I was like, what does that mean? I gotta, I don't get it. Like what, the, what does it mean to be in your body or like be grounded? Um, and so, you know, I have some fun with that because I'm like, look, if you're kind of rolling your eyes, like, what does this mean right now? I get it because I've been there too. Um, but really talking about ways to just be more connected in this like body-mind connection. Um, and that's where there's like lots of fun practices and just different things you can try and uh, to really become more embodied. I mean, I think I, I wrote in there about, you know, rolling down a hill, like rolling down a grassy hill. Um, and I was thinking about this this weekend because I was in Vermont and we went sledding. My partner and I went sledding. Oh, so fun. <laughs> I haven't been on a sled in, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, talk about just being in your body. Like you're flying down a hill on this like little, you know, uh, circular thing. And like, yeah, just these different there's practices. No, there's nothing much to think about apart from <laughs> don't eat a tree. <laughs> don't eat a tree. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yes, this idea of like, okay, how can we, you know, cause this was something I definitely related to of like realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in my head all the time, um, which is very, very common. And so there's a lot of practices about trying to allow yourself space and time to, to get out of your head and, and more into your body. Um, and then, yeah, the last section is about embracing your power and really, you know, challenging this idea that we have in our, a lot of our cultures about what power means, um, which, you know, this was something you introduced me to Kelly deals. And this is something Kelly talks about a lot and really like embodies with her, her practice. Um, And yeah, just this idea of, you know, power doesn't have to be this you know, kind of in a lot of our cultures, it's like, okay, I got to like put someone down to like get mm-hmm. higher up the ladder, right? Of power. Like power over. Yeah, power over, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this is really about, okay, how to step into your own power. Um, and and yeah, just be able to to kind of like feel confident and grounded in, in who you are and some different practices and ways to think about going about that. Yeah, I love that. So the, a sense of partnering with yourself, 
with all the different parts of yourself is such a beautiful way to really be embodying the power with. So we're not only power with other people, but also power with those parts of ourselves, especially the more vulnerable, young um, parts of ourselves that just need that extra care. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Beautifully said. Exactly. Mm. So I'm curious to ask you, you know, what are the, what do you most wish for people to leave after having read your book and working their way through it? What do you wish for people to be leaving with? Mm, That's such a great question. I think you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I hope that people will leave realizing that there's nothing wrong with them and that the different things they've experienced, um, it's not because there's something wrong with them or that they're less worthy. Um, but really it's about the lived experiences that they've had and what's happened to them. Um, and I think, you know, when, you make that shift, it still is a difficult journey, but when you make that shift of like, okay, like there's nothing inherently wrong with me, um, it really allows, you know, just like using the self-compassion, um, I really feel like this is where so much of the growth can can come in. Um, so that's number one. And then the second thing, which was also a theme that I realized after I finished writing, is just this idea of just questioning and just you know, I really throughout tried to kind of turn it back to the reader, you know, giving examples and things like that of clients and of different people, but really turning it back to the reader to just question like, okay, what are these things that I've been taught? Where did I learn these ideas? Because so much of our beliefs, we take them as, as fact as like, okay, this is me or like, this is a fact. And in reality, you know, everything we know when it comes to food and body size and all these other social constructs, or something that we were taught at some point and you know most of which are social constructs and are actually truth um, or reality so yeah I think just this idea of kind of questioning everything and then allowing that to sort of lead you into you know really feeling grounded in in who you are mm, beautiful beautiful So my wish is for everyone listening to this is that you grab your own copy (laughs) of Unapologetic Eating. I found it a beautiful read, very accessible, beautifully stepped through and um, really a lovely companion for working with an anti-diet, non-diet, health at every size aligned dietitian. Actually, it'd be brilliant for dietitians to be working through with clients as well. I, I, mm. I'm a big fan of using, for example, intuitive eating in that way and um, the wor- intuitive eating workbook in that way. And your book could be done really similarly. I think that's a lovely way to partner with people and to learn more about how different individuals who we work with what they need so it's not 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 that we do provide a one sits one size fits all kind of service but the way in which even different sections or different principles apply to people's lived experiences can be a really rich experience for us yeah oh I love that I hadn't actually thought about that but I love that idea um and yeah I think that speaks to you know certainly I understand like when I first was learning about intuitive eating and wanting like a structure to, to grasp onto. 
um, you know, as I moved away from my, like the weight centric style of, of counseling. Um, but yeah, that was really my goal was to, you know, there's a lot of business coaches out there that are teaching like, okay, have this one program that you walk everybody through. And it's like, uh, that doesn't take into consideration all of these different things. And, um, and yeah, that was definitely my goal with the book was being able to, you know, meet people where they're at. I also, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I worked with two equity consultants um, who have different lived, different um, identities and I, different lived experiences than I, to really, yeah, make this book as equitable and inclusive and anti-oppressive as possible. So, um, you know, while certainly I'm sure they're not, everybody is going to see themselves in it. I tried my hardest to make it so that um, no matter what your identity or what your lived experience, you could apply it to yourself and do reflection um, on your own. Yeah, I love that. And thank you so much for investing your time, energy and resources in in making sure that you were working alongside people who could allow you to see those edges, you know, that we, that we all have and that, you know, when we're open to when we're open to noticing those edges. And I mean, I, I'm just thinking about, you know, the four, the four things about, you know, fixing, we don't fix those edges in ourselves that aren't able to see those parts of us that may be oppressive, even when that's not how we want to be showing up and then al- allowing for that by, you know, investing that time energy and then feeling into maybe some of that shame or grief or feeling bad about, you know, maybe things that we have done or thought or believed in the up until now when we know better and then growing and kind of leaning into those new edges of ourselves that, you know, once you, once you see things, you often can't unsee it again. So yeah. yeah, so thank you so much for that. I'm going to use, I love that, fixing, allowing, feeling, growing <laughs> on yeah. repeat. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the first time I heard fixing was actually you, probably at the body image uh, workshop years I ago. I do use like you that talked a fair about, bit. <laughs> yeah, the fixing is probably the first time I heard it like in this context. So there's probably some some uh, credit to you there for that, that piece well, for sure. Well, thank you. I shouldn't negotiate, shouldn't negotiate that in your damn contract. <laughs> but it is, it's such an interesting word, isn't it? Because it's so universal. Yeah. Like it's so universal when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to diet culture, when it comes to the ways mm-hmm. in which we, you know, meet ourselves. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Totally. Totally. All right. So, oh my goodness, Mm, we could just talk for hours, Alyssa. And hopefully someday in the future, we will have a chance to do that. Yes. And in in person, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And in the meantime, can you please let people know where to find you? And most, not not most importantly, because you're the most important thing, but um, your book, please. Sure, sure. So my website is alyssarumsey.com. And then my Instagram is outside of my blog where I'm most active. So that is alyssarumseyrd. And then the book, Unapologetic Eating, is available pretty much wherever books are sold. Um, you can also go to alyssarumsey.com slash book for some more specifics on that too. Excellent. So delivery worldwide? Yes, delivery worldwide. Um, it will be an ebook version should be out also in February 2021. An audiobook will be coming hopefully later in 21, 2021. Are you going to record it yourself? 
I am not sure yet. I was telling friends this the other night and two friends, a married couple, were both individually like, wait, I'll do it. <laughs> like I've always wanted oh. to record an audio book. <laughs> so I'm not sure yet. Um, I don't honestly don't feel tied one way or another to my vo- my voice or not, but I'm sure it'll be something I I don't know what my publisher's process is with that. So TBD, but an audiobook will be coming because I have been getting that question. <laughs> I love audiobooks are just, it increases again the accessibility for people, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, which is important. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me. This has been such a fantastic conversation. I always so enjoy um, speaking with you. However, that is online, in person. Um, and um, yeah, I really, really wish you all the best with your book sales and um, all kinds of future directions, which I'm super, super excited for. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was so nice to, to come on and chat in this kind of different capacity. So I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, you're welcome. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone.